invitation and um, the worship team. Amen. Give it up for them one more time. I'll never uh, take it a light thing to stand on somebody other's, uh, other pastor's platform and preach the gospel. I count it an honor and a privilege every time. And um, so, you know, praise God for Pastor Edgy and Pastor Sonia and uh, what they've done in this place. You guys are sitting in a, in a great, great blessing. Can you say amen? Amen. Why don't you give it up for your pastors, amen, for their vision. Come on now, for their heart. You guys can do better than that. These are your pastors. Come on now. Honor them today. Amen. Just awesome, awesome, awesome. They stayed the course. They fought the fight, especially right after I met them when your guys' building, you know, you all went through, your building went through the fire, but you all went through the fire. Come on now. And, um, but God had greater plans. Amen. So it's a blessing to be here. Other than just seeing it on Facebook and looking at it, it's actually awesome to be here today. So I appreciate the invitation. You know, uh, I know it's close to Good Friday, and so I want to talk about also Jesus and, and also, you know, Good Friday. I want to talk about don't throw in the towel. Somebody say don't throw in the towel. In other words, don't give up. Don't give up. I want to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. Amen. And uh, it was uh, a while ago that... Um, probably about nine, ten years ago, where I kind of just wanted to give up in ministry. I told you it's going to be the good, bad, and the ugly, right? And uh, so I, I kind of wanted to give up, and things were happening, and time in my life where I thought I was done with church and even living for God. I don't know if anybody's been here like that before. When, when I gave my life to Christ, I was a brand new man. I had one of those conversions. Everybody's a little bit different when they come to Jesus, you know, but I had one of those conversions where I was just totally set free by the power of God and never looked back and God done great and amazing things in my life. And I was just, you know, those conversions where you, the grass is green and, you know, the air is a little bit cleaner and the whole world just changes. Revolution life, my lies by the power of God. Amen. And there was, there was temptation and things that always try to make me give up. And there was this one trial that I went through for about four years of my life and, you know, people came against me lied about me, all kinds of things, tried to discredit me. And, you know, for the most part, it seemed like it was working. And this trial, of course, was to try to rob my faith. But worse than that, it was to try to make me a bitter person. You know, like Joseph, when he was in the pit, I always believed that the things that you go through will either make you bitter or better in life. And it was meant to make me a bitter person. It tried to rob me from trusting people, relationships, and even God again. It was meant to make me an angry person and try to warp my view of God and his church and try to get me to question everything that I ever believed in. You know, it was a dark time in my life. And, and to even ask, did God care? Did he even really exist and steal my joy and kill all the dreams and the visions that God placed in my life? This is a year of dreams. Can you say amen? But it's also the year when you announce that and proclaim it and decide to dedicate your life to that this year, that the enemy is also working on the other side to destroy those things in your life. And I just want to say with all that is within me that when everything was aroused, was crumbling and I couldn't even trust myself, that God is still faithful. Can you thank him for his faithfulness tonight? Amen. <laughs> so I want to share a little bit what what helped me, amen, because a lot of times... You see pastors, you see people that are doing great things for God, but you don't see the side before, you know, sometimes we just see their life on the pulpit, but we don't see the things that they go through. Can you say amen? So I just want to bring some hope to the house today. 
And I want to share what helped me in John chapter 20, verse 1 through 7, talking about the empty tomb. So the empty tomb, and I want to pray for all God's people today as we're going to, as this is the Holy Week and and Friday's coming. So it says this, now on the first day of the first week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciples whom Jesus loved and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've laid him. And Peter therefore went out and the other disciples and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he stooping down, looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he didn't go in. I want you to focus on that. He saw the linen cloths lying there and he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him, went into the tomb and saw the linen cloths lying there and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. I just want to pray for a moment. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray we thank you that your presence is already here and you already were here before One person showed up. I just pray for your presence to fall, for your word to be glorified. Let no flesh glory in your presence, but let your will be done, every heart, in Jesus' name. So, number one, I want to look at the day of confusion, okay? So, I want you to understand that it was a very dark time in history. All of Jesus' life was full of victory, right? Full of power, raising the dead, bringing people back to life, you know, healing the sick, all kinds of things that were happening but this is a time when you see your warrior, you know, when you see a champion actually go down for the 10 count and actually lose the fight. So it seemed anyway. So even in the will of God, you will find the darkness would like to overtake you and make you feel separated from God. Even Jesus, when he was bearing his cross on that Friday, said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Remember, this is the first time he ever felt separated from his father. He could have went through anything else and he did. He endured the cross and the pain and the shame and the beating. But the one thing that made him cry out and say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because he felt a separation. And you could be feeling that separation here today, amen, and be asking the same thing. My God, why aren't you looking into what is happening in my life? Why are you letting these things happen to me? It's a day of confusion. Can you say amen? And so even Jesus was bearing his cross on that Friday, and we may not have said those exact words, but we say, where are you in this marriage? Where are you in my finances? Where are you in my children? Or where are you in my life and my future? We say these different things, or why are you silent? Why, when I come to church and I pay my tithes and I pray and I'm fasting, I can't seem to hear you. Can you even hear me right now? And it's meant to separate you from God and make you actually try to be bitter because at the same time the enemy is whispering in your ear. You're giving and you're not getting. You're loving, but you're not letting anybody love you. You're you're faithful, but God's not faithful to you. He's trying to trick you. Come on now. Can you see my marriage is falling apart? I don't know what to do with my kids. It's interesting that in verse 1 and 2 that they went to look for Jesus in the tomb. Now, all of human reasoning is very, is very understandable to think that Jesus would be there, right? 
Why? Because when somebody dies and they put them in a burial place, you expect that they're going to be there. But when a person you see is beaten and nailed to a cross and and they take their last breath and they put them in a tomb, you expect them to be there. But what Jesus was teaching them is something that he had already taught them, and it was this. Remember what I said. These are Jesus' own words to his disciples. You know, it's like a pastor that always has to, you know, teach his disciples all the time. You remember what I said. Come on, somebody. Remember what I said. Remember, you know, the, what the, one of the most frustrating things is that the pastor is that you could preach something every week and, and you're preaching it and preaching it and then somebody else preaching it and it's like they get a revelation. And, <laughs> but Jesus was teaching his disciples for three years, remember what I said in Mark 8, 31, and he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. They forgot that part. So number two, I want you to learn this. Don't freak out, okay? Somebody say, don't freak out. Come on now. Do you remember that Jesus is the God of the living and not the dead? Do you remember that he didn't bring you this far to let you die? Do you remember that he gave you a future and a hope? Do you remember that if God is for you, who can be against you? Do you remember your deliverance from Egypt? And do you remember walking through the Red Sea of when Jesus saved you and destroyed your enemies when they pursued you? God had your back just like he's going to have your back today. Can you say amen? Do you remember that no weapon formed against you shall prosper? Do you remember that weeping endures for a night, but joy comes in the morning? Somebody in this place say, don't freak out. God still got my back. Can you say amen? Can you remember what Jesus said? I know that people have laid hands on you and prophesied for you and everything, but when you're going through the darkest times of your life, it is meant to separate you from your father and to get you to question him. But I want you to remember the words of Jesus. He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Even though that you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I still have your back in 2017. God is going to bring me through. Can you say amen? Because God is God of the living and not the dead. Come on, he's not in your past. Can you say amen? He's not in your failures of your mistakes of yesterday. He's already in your tomorrow. I wanted you to remember that he is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. God didn't save you so that you could wander. He already had a promised land before you ever knew that you were even going to get saved. Can you say amen? And I want you to remember that God has already been at your destiny the moment that you got saved. See, a lot of people end up wandering in church, don't they? And you know why that is? Because they forget the promise of God's word. They're living in the land here today. Want want me to tell you what the promised land is? Somebody say yes, even if you don't want me to. The promise is God's word. And when you would apply it to your land, I want to tell you that you'll be living in the promised land flowing with milk and honey. Can you say amen? Well, what is milk and honey? Pastor, come on. That's that job that you've been wanting and praying for. Some of you just got to get a little bit more aggressive. Some of you step out in faith and start that business that you've been wanting to start because God will give you the contacts. He'll give you the connections and he'll give you the contracts. Can you say amen? Oh, my goodness. I, I want to up, lift up the level of faith up in this place here today. God's already been there. Come on now. Are there some Joshua's and Caleb's in this place that say that we can take the land here today? 
Some of you didn't, some, some people may have not came, come with you because they couldn't see the future. And how many know that God already had a building for you the moment that one fire started, amen, before one, one piece of that building ever burned. God already had it, but you can't see it in the darkness. Can you remember what Jesus said? Didn't everybody get excited when they get prophesied over? Don't they? Then you see them go through something and it's like, come on, man, you got a prophecy, you got a word, you got a promise. Lift up your head. You don't, don't be skipping prayer time. You can't find the God of the living where the dead are. Somebody talk to me. You can't find the God of the living for that old, in that old boyfriend and that old girlfriend and that old bar, come on, in that old lifestyle. You're not going to find God there. Can you say amen? Somebody say, God is bigger, bigger than a tomb. He's bigger than a graveyard. The whole universe cannot even contain God. So when you remember who your God is and what he said about you, then you'll remember to find him where he said in his word and not what you see. We live by faith and not by sight. I know that you can see your bills stacking up. I know that you can see the frustration in your marriage and in things that are going on in your life. But you can, can you remember that God said it's going to be all right. Come on now. Now the disciples walk with Jesus so their faith was strong and easy, wasn't it? It's like Jesus. Remember when you first got saved, you were like in this love relationship? Or you remember when you married couples when you first started dating and he was buying you everything? And then it like kind of stopped for a little while and it was like, what happened here? Thought you loved me. He's like, I love you. You know, I spoiled you as much as you can, but I still got to pay my bills. But when we fall in this love relationship with Jesus, it's like he's carrying us. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's so easy to come to church. Things that you go through, it's like, oh, whatever. I got Jesus. I got Jesus. But when he had to go and leave them, it was a whole nother thing, wasn't it? When he was with them, it's easy to believe. That's my Jesus. Look, he's raising the dead, healing the epileptic, you know. He's casting out demons. Jesus is awesome. He's bad. I remember one time. You know, I got, I got called uh, to, to go pray for this demon-possessed guy. So I was like, let's go. They, I was the first one they called. I was like, let's go. I was first on the scene. And then he was acting like really demon-possessed. And I, didn't, I realized in that moment, I didn't know what to do. <laughs> so I was like, did you guys call pastor? Is he, he going to be here? Is he going to show up? He showed up. And he took dominion. I was like, yeah. Come on, let's do this. For that moment, though, I was like, what do I do? Because, you, know, you know, when you're going to get in a fight, you know what to do. You're like, you're going to fight, but you can't beat up a demon-possessed person. You got to cast the demon out, right? You got to, and you don't know what to do. Do I tackle them, throw them to the ground, lay my hands on them, and say, in the name of Jesus, come? Yeah, I didn't know what, to, I just realized I didn't know what steps to take at that moment. See, it's easy when Jesus is doing everything for you, and he's teaching you, and he's there by your side, whispering in your ear, you feel his presence, but what about when you're mad and you come to church and the message isn't for you? You can't feel God during the song service? I mean, I don't know if anybody else talks about this stuff. I know we all say, man, the power of God is here. It's awesome. It's great. But there's sometimes that you come to church where you don't feel nothing and you're just, you're faking it, right? You're just like, yeah. And inside you're like, man, God, God, he's just angry and bitter and angry at everybody else that's happy. So when he had to go and leave him, it was a different thing. So when he's with you, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 says, Now to him who is able 
to do exceedingly abundantly above, somebody say above, all that we ask or think according to the power that works where? In us. In us. To him be the glory in the church by Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Romans 8, 37. Yet in all these things, say in all these things. Not in some of these things, but in all of these things and all the things that you're going through. We're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm persuaded that neither death or life nor angels or principalities or powers nor things present or things to come or height or depth or any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Come on now. Somebody say you can't separate me. When your, when your wife doesn't want to cook for you and she's mad at you, say, you can't separate me. I'm just kidding. I'm not here to mess with marriages. Just, just joking. The sixth hour. Somebody say the sixth hour. Nothing could separate you from him. The disciples were in panic mode because they couldn't find him. And he had already had told them what was going to happen. And isn't it crazy? How many of you work with these people that you tell them to do something and five minutes later they forgot what you told them to do? Come on now. Some of you know what I'm talking about. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's probably you. Let me put my Asian smile on since I'm going to the Philippines. They were freaking out because he told them already, look, I'm going to have to suffer more things. I'm going to go to the cross. But three days later, they forgot about three days. That good Friday in Jesus' six hour on the cross was probably the hardest things he had to face. And I want to tell you this. Today, especially in the day and generation that we're living in, it it's, may not get easier for you sometimes, right? The world is getting to be a much harder place, and Jesus never promised us a world without persecution or pain. Come on now. We're going to go through some pain. We're going to go through some t- trials, but Jesus said, it's going to be all right. I'm with you. I'm with you. That's why you already have to make up your mind before you go through something that God is with me, and I'm in it. Come on. They mocked him about his sayings about the temple, and they said he saved others. Now, he can't save himself. Ask for a sign. They were asking for a sign. You may be in your sixth hour today in your darkest time in life. I have no idea. Maybe I'm speaking to you tonight, but I want to let you know that there's a reason for your pain. Come on now. There's a reason for your testing. There's a reason for your trial. And there's a reason for your temptation. There would be no resurrection without a crucifixion. And there will be no power in your life unless you go through a little bit of pain. Go through a little bit of discomfort. Come on now. Go through a little bit of what you have to go through so you can get to the other side. Can you say amen? See, I already said it before Adele sang it. It may look to the world like you may be going down and some may even rejoice in your pain, but hold on because my God isn't through with you. Come on now, look to somebody next to you and say, God's not through with you. Look to the other person you don't like and say, even you too. (laughs) Seven things Jesus said on the cross, I'm going to say a few. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You have to find forgiveness for those that openly mock you. As a believer, not everybody's going to like you. On your job, not everybody is going to like you. Come on, sometimes your kids are not going to like you, even though that you, and you still have to love them anyway. Isn't that true? You're going to have to find forgiveness for those that mock you and don't love you, even though that you're 
dying for them and loving them and praying for them. They're out there, they're mocking you because you're in the house of God and you're praying for them. What do you want me to do, cry and break down because you're telling me about Jesus? How many of you know they say all kinds of crazy things? And you're in here and they're mocking you, your sacrifice, your giving, come on now, your tithing, your offering, your praying, your building, your time that you give to the ministry, they're mocking all of that and they don't even know that you're giving your life for them. You're going to have to find forgiveness for those people. No matter where you are spiritually, you can be in this place and there's rest for your soul. That's why I love the house of God. I don't come because I have to. Come on now. I don't come because I'm the preacher. Or Pastor Reggie doesn't come because he's a preacher. He's laying down his life for the people of God. Can you say amen? When they say pray for your pastors, pray for your pastors because you don't know. Sometimes we want to strangle you. I'm just, I'm just saying myself. You know, my church ain't here, so you're not live streaming this, right? Now, I told him the other day, I said, hey, sometimes, you know why pastors give up? They end up in depression, and they give up because they hold it all in. And people expect pastors to be perfect and their families to be perfect. Come on now. All of you can get crazy with one another and get mad and want to beat each other up, but the pastor always has to be holy. And, and then on Sunday, give you communion. Yes, Lord. But sometimes he just wants to slap you upside the head. Just say, get your act together. Be a man. Okay. All right. I'll stay out of that. It's not my place. But it's true. It's true. You know how you love your kids, but sometimes you're just like, I want to beat you, but I got to love you right now. I got to pray for you. You know, spiritual sons and daughters, you do the same thing. You're like, I'm just going to pray for them. Just pray for them. For the thief... He thought his life was over, the the thief that was next to Jesus, but in one day Jesus can change it all. Come on now. Don't think that you're too far or unworthy. Jesus is literally right next to you, even though you're going through your darkest time and understands what you're going through. The other thing, that, that was the second one, by the way, he said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Forgiveness, and no matter what you're going through, he said, today you'll be with me in paradise. And then the other thing he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In order for God to always be with us, he had to go through total abandonment from his father, a separation the heavens had never known before. Think about it for a portion of time. A perfect God became sin and caused a disruption to his very being, to the very Godhead that we know it. God was perfect. You know, there's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, three in one. But for a moment in time, there was a separation from this thing of all eternity that will never, ever happen again. And there was a disruption within the Godhead because of us. For a moment, we, beca- we came between the Godhead, the Father, and the Son so that you could have a place in there to make heaven your home. He had to be separated from his father so he could give his life for you. That's how much God loved us, that an imperfect God would give his life for us on that day and Jesus would feel separation so that you could be acknowledged by the father. Can you say amen? And the sixth thing he said is it's finished. Jesus didn't come to start something. He came to finish it. You know, when we get to heaven, he's going to say the same thing to you. My, enter into the joy of the Lord, my good, and what? He didn't say lukewarm servant, right? He didn't say every once in a while coming to church servant. He said, he said, faith, faithful servant, right? Come on, somebody. <laughs> Jesus is saying, you know what? What I started in your life, I'm going to finish it. 
I'm going to finish it. And then the last thing he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple, and we were going, and, and he said, it says we were going to the tomb in verse 3 and verse 4. So they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. I want you to remember this is while I'm rereading it. And he saw the linen cloths lying there and the handkerchief. How many have a handkerchief here? Right? He saw the handkerchief. Ain't that crazy? We always focus on the, the, his cloth. But, you know, there's a handkerchief there. It's pretty cool. The handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together. Come on now. He folded it together. And he placed it there. Isn't that interesting? See, I want to I read you why. Because in the Hebrew tradition of that time, the folded cloth had to do with the master and his servant. And every Jewish boy knew this tradition. So he left it there knowing that they were going to come looking for him. When the servant sat at the dinner table for the master, he made sure that it was exactly the way the master wanted it. Okay, And the table was furnished perfectly and the servant would wait just out of sight. So he's... The master would be sitting and eating at the table. The servant would be out of sight until the master had finished eating. And the servant wouldn't dare touch the table until the master was finished. Now, if the master was done eating, he would rise from the table, wipe his fingers, his mouth, and clean his beard. And would wad up the napkin and toss it to the table, right? He would toss it to the table. And for in those days, the, the wadded up napkin meant that I'm done. Meant I'm done if he just threw it there. Okay, but if the master got up from the table and he folded his napkin and laid it beside his plate, the servant wouldn't dare touch the table because the folded napkin meant I'm coming back. Come on now. The folded napkin meant I'm coming back. So the servant knew automatically like my master is gone. He left the table, but I have a sign knowing that my master is coming back. Somebody say he's coming back. And this is awesome because what he was showing Peter was, I don't care what went down that night, you betrayed me. I know your failures and mistakes, but I am not finished with you. Come on now. You may be here today and listen, we all have a past, right? We all made mistakes and even betrayed and failed God. But you can be like Peter and rise above the guilt and pain and be strong and courageous. Because remember, Peter was one of the greatest leaders of the churches at that time. And he felt bad and he was going through a dark time because he betrayed Jesus just a couple nights before. Can you remember that? But it, it says it in the scripture that he noticed that the napkin was there because he loved Peter so much to leave him a message and say, I'm coming back, Peter. I'm not done with you. Don't throw in the towel to your destiny. You may be battle weary. And saying that I'm done and I'm, I'm, I'm over with. I have no more fight. But listen, remember what Jesus said. Remember your promise. Remember that you still have a future and a hope in Jesus Christ. Remember that you're called to greater things than what you're going through currently and right now. There's a process that you're going through. And Jesus said, you know what? Don't throw in the towel. You're still in the fight. It took a while to want to even preach again. And what I was talking about earlier and, and what I was going through. But something began to rise up and stir up once again. And the power of God and the hope began to rise up again. Come on now. Through everything, I can say that no matter what I went through, it was a blessing to go through everything that I ever did. 
And I know when you're going through things in life, you don't understand that. The pain that you're going through, the trial that you're going through, and everything that you're facing right now is only to set you up for greater things. But your pain is meant to take you out. Have you ever seen somebody that's been injured, anybody injured here tonight? You know what an injury does? It makes you focus on the pain and the area that's been hurt. If your heart has been wounded, you've been offended, come on now. People talking about you, or you can remember a violation of your past, something that's happened and the pain keeps coming back. When you're going through pain, all you can focus on at that moment is the pain. Anybody ever stubbed their toe in the middle of the night? Oh, all you can think of is go away, go away, go away. Oh, you're, you're hurting so bad right then, right there. You're just focused on the pain. You don't know that what you're going through right now is going to make you a better person. It's going to make you a greater minister. Come on now. It's going to make you a better servant, a better leader, a better teacher, a better preacher. Through everything I, I can say was a blessing. He showed me bigger dreams that I could ever imagine. Love people more than I could ever before. It's, it's amazing that the thing that you're called to is the same exact thing that the enemy wants to flip on you. So for pastors, I can say for us, not for everybody, but for pastors, we love people. And the enemy wants to use people against us to make us angry against the people. So if you're called to a certain ministry, the enemy, through your pain and discouragement and things, will try to use that thing to turn you against it, which will ultimately cause you to be separated from God and make you bitter in life. But it's going to make you better. Come on, somebody. Better. So listen, his death and resurrection was for you. I know you know that. But so you can live again. You can believe again. So that you can dream again and you can win again. Come on now. In all human understanding, it looked like the enemies of Jesus had won. They put him in a tomb, soldiers on guard and sealed of Pilate over the tomb. But Pilate can do what he wanted. But Jesus is the name that is still above every other name. Come on now. There is only one name under heaven by which men shall be saved. And it's the name of who? Jesus. Come on now. The guards can stand watch, but if God is for you, who can be against you? A tomb is for the dead, but my God is the God of the living and not the dead. Thank God for resurrection power. Come on now. The same spirit that rose Christ from the dead lives inside of you. Your dreams are not dead. Come on now. Your hope is not dead. Your marriage is not dead. Your children are not dead. Come on now. This church is not dead. Come on now. There is resurrection power in this place. Can you say amen? And it's living inside of you. But the enemy wants it to rot in a tomb. We're about to pray here today. 1 Corinthians 15, 55. Where, O death, is your victory. I know that we don't get to have pride, but this is my, my pride scripture right here. Because when, after you come out on the other side, you can say, oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Come on now. Because Jesus lives in me, and he doesn't just live in me and is a friendly Jesus. He's a God of power and might and resurrection life. 
Those that trust in Jesus never die. You can kill this body, you can burn it, you can decapitate it, you can beat it to death, but it is just a passageway to resurrection life. Can you say amen? And God is calling people to start coming out of death into life. I want to share something with you, with you here today. It was a couple weeks ago, and we're going we're gonna to pray for a moment, but I want to share the dreams with you because since it's the year of dreams, amen, it's dream again. Somebody say dream again. Amen. You know, I, I shared with you guys in the conference, I believe it was Pastor Edge's conference and, and Pastor... Um, and the last pastor, I mean, last pastor, last, last conference I shared how I had this dream and, and it, was, it was to affect our worship team. Like this, this old, old uh, spirit just came up on the stage, kind of shut everything down. And it was a couple months after that, that I was without a whole worship team. And what God, at, at first it was powerful because the beginning of the dream was as worship was happening, people were getting delivered and set free. It was a supernatural thing. It wasn't just singing songs. Come on, somebody. If you come to church just to sing songs, you're missing it. You come to worship God so God can do some miracles through the worship. Can you say amen? I believe that even in the worship, people get filled with the Holy Spirit. People can get healed and delivered and set free. If you believe that, can you say amen? So it was one of those services. I was dreaming about that, and it was like, yes. And then all of a sudden, it was shut down, and it was in three months later. We had no worship team. You know, when you, when you all came, we had to sing to some tracks, right? It's all good because we had a hill song there, Jesus Culture. They never missed a beat, never out of tune. And it was a, now, amen, on the other side, now we got more musicians and singers than we ever had. Amen. Awesome. But when you're going through it, you're like, you're like, man, come on now, forget it. I would never give up, but, you know, you feel like that, like, come on, again. But it was a couple weeks ago that I had a dream, and I had a dream. You know, we're blessed where we're at. We have a, you know, we have a great facility, but I had a dream that, that we had our own property and our own building, and it was a big, big building, right? And the worship was about to go up. The, the electricity inside of that building was stro- so strong and powerful, and I had to go to my office, like I had to walk in the back, and as I did in the foyer, like if you can imagine out here, there was intercessory prayers, pray, people praying there on their, on their knees and on their face and just believing God. And I directly believed that what was happening in here was directly affected by what was happening out there through the people that were praying and laying hold of God. There was such an expectancy in there. Come on now, how many know, like uh, I can't remember which pastor preached it. He said, miracles don't go where they're wanted, they go where they're expected. I held that in my life because I said, we're all praying and believing, but they go where they're expected. Is there an expectancy in here today? So I had that dream. I had a dream that even people that from my past that didn't like me were there at the church and they had this look on their face like, I have no idea why I'm here. Or why I'm shaking your hand right now, but I'm here. It was like they were compelled to be there. And if I can tell you, I didn't tell you my whole story because of time, and it really doesn't even matter. But all these things and people that kind of, you know, came against me have ended up saying, I'm sorry. Even have come to our church and served there now. And I'm telling you that no matter what you're going through, it's worth it. 
And it's worth going through it all for Jesus. Come on now. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's never about you. It's about what God wants to do in your life. Can we bow our heads here today? Remember the dream. Remember that the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead lives inside of you. You have power and glory. And I just want to, I want to hand the service over, but I want to give everybody a chance to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior here tonight. I'm sure you guys do that, but I want to not just say a prayer with you. I'm going to say a prayer with you, but I want you to understand one thing. This prayer doesn't save you. This prayer, thank you, that leads you to the Father. What Jesus taught was this. If any man wants to come after me, let him take up his cross and follow me daily. This is what Jesus taught. Why is that? Because there's a transition that's going to happen, a transaction that's going to happen here right now. You cannot carry your cross and carry your sin. You have to lay down your sin in your life, and then when you pick up the cross, you're picking up your new life and you're walking in a new direction, and that's what repenting is. It means you're laying down your life, letting go of your sin and taking up your cross and becoming not just a churchgoer, not just a follower, but a disciple of Jesus Christ. I want to tell you something. From the moment that you say this prayer, faithfulness is already part of the equation. Much like a marriage, Jesus taught faithfulness to his church like he did a marriage. Anyone that is about to get married and say, I do, has to say certain vows, and faithfulness is already part of the equation. They don't have to say, well, do I go and visit my wife now? Can I come and see her on the weekend, you know, just on the weekends? No, it's every day that you're going to live for Jesus and be faithful to him and to his church. So I want to pray with you. If you haven't received Christ in this place, you want to receive him in your heart as your Lord and Savior, and you want to follow him from this day forward, you lift up your hand. Come on now, right now, every strong man in this place, amen, every strong woman in this place, amen, I see these hands out. Do you guys invite them to the front up here? If you'd come up to the front, come on now. Step out of your seat. You have your hand lifted up. We want to pray for you. Some of the ushers and team members can help pray for them, and we can, I can lead you in a prayer. Just say this prayer with me, brother. God bless. Lord Jesus, I believe you're the son of God, that you died on the cross, you rose from the grave. I repent of my sins, ask you into my heart, and I will live from you for this day forward in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you put your hands together? Come on now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We all stand in this place. I don't know who to hand it over to, but I want to pray for people. I don't, I don't know how you guys usually do this. I should have asked, but if there's still a fight in you, church, come on now. Somebody in your corner could be saying, you know what, just give up. The enemy's there saying, you know what, just give up. Throw it in. Throw in the towel. But I want to tell you, Jesus said he's coming back, and he's coming back for a faithful church. He's coming back for an anointed church. He's coming back for a fighting church, for a church that hasn't given up, and a church that is faithful to their king. Would you join me up here at this altar? I want us to do one thing specifically, too. Pray for your dreams, and pray for the dreams of this house here today. Everybody together can see this thing through, and to the very end, this church has a destiny and a destination. Don't let the enemy take you out tonight. Come on. Hallelujah.